Women Taking the Lead, Episode 76. Leadership is all about, you know, how you have people in the company, how you get them moving in the same direction, how you inspire them to reach their potential. But it's also, in today's economy, it's also about leading once they're gone. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentakingthelead.com to get the solutions to your top five leadership challenges. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, and thank you everyone for joining us today. I'm here with Lee Carraher, who started Double Forte in 2002 as a new kind of communications firm designed to provide the best service in the business. Previously EVP at Weber Shandwick, president and founder of Red Whistle, and VP of Sega, yep, the video game company, awesome, Carraher has managed multiple offices and hundreds of people of all ages and was named in the 40 Under 40 by industry publication PR Week. She serves on the boards of KQED Public Media and Grace Cathedral. She is a member of Entrepreneurs Only, and Carraher holds a BA in Medieval History from Carleton College, which she finds useful every day. I'm going to have to hear more about that, Lee. (laughs) (laughs) And she lives with her husband and two sons on the San Francisco Peninsula. Okay, Lee, that's only a little intro for everyone. So tell us more about you and your own beginnings. So I um, was born on the East Coast and then um, went to college in the Minnesota, the wilds of Minnesota, because I really felt I should get out of New England, um, you know, when someone was going to pay me to do that, uh, and really open my eyes to other places in the world. And so I did go to Carleton College, which is in Minnesota, and I have a degree in medieval history, which I do find useful every single day. Um, not because I'm studying medieval history every day, but what the study of history helps you do is um, investigate, articulate, and defend a point of view, um, which is what I do every single day for my clients um, in the in the practice of public relations and social media. Um, short, long story short, moved back to Boston, worked there for a while, um, and then um, I was diagnosed with the sun. They didn't know what it was called then, but I was sun sensitive, so I was very depressed in the in one winter, I was going to work at 6 a.m., coming out of work at 8 p.m., never seeing the sun. So I went to the doctor and they said, you know, Lee, you, you know, you're sun sensitive. You need to get more vitamin D, go in the sun. I'm like, I can't get any sun. I'm working all day. Well, then you should go to a tanning booth. Well, I'm of Irish descent and I just looked at the guy and I'm like, I'm going to be a potato chip in a week. So um, my parents at the time, they moved, they lived in San Francisco And I said, well, I'm just going to go where the sun is. So I went and I said, I want to move to California. Um, And I called these headhunters who'd been calling me because I was specializing in a certain kind of, in this certain industry that didn't have many people in it. I said, get me to California. So they got me to Los Angeles, of all places. I didn't know a soul. I was 27 years old. I'm like, all right, we're going to L.A. And um, from there, sort of took advantage of not knowing anybody, really branched out and changed my life that moment. So, cause I really f- found out that I could be by myself, that I could go to dinner by myself, um, that I could, you know, create a career without knowing anybody. And that was really sort of interesting. That must've been incredibly empowering to know you had that within you. It, well, I was, I was very excited and nervous at the same time. It was actually, um, 
during the Los Angeles riots. So everyone was like, you can't go, you can't go. Um, and I said, I'm going, I'm going. And I actually um, got a, um, a National Guard escort <laughs> through the streets of San Fr- the streets of Los Angeles to Monterey to uh, Marina del Rey where I had in my corporate apartment and um, like finding out that you could do all these things by myself and I didn't have I didn't have to you know count on other people or my worth wasn't attached to who I was seeing every day which is sort of counterintuitive Los Angeles um, was incredibly powerful incredibly powerful. Mm. And something we spoke about offline was that you will also be visiting Southern Maine because your dad lives part-time in Scarborough. That's right. Which is minutes from where I am. I can so that's hardly wait exciting. to see you. <laughs> <laughs> We've already bonded. I will not see and my people- father. I'll just come see you, Jody. <laughs> Yeah, now people can tell we've we've had quite a chat. <laughs> we said before recording, just so everyone kind of gets the background. I'm like, at some point we have to hit record and start <laughs> this conversation. Well, Lee, it's great to have you on, and clearly you've had success in your life. You definitely, I mean, just what the age of 23, 24 to gain that kind of confidence is incredible. Um, but confidence is one of those things sometimes where it comes, it goes. We have our moments, right, where oh, we forget. So true who we are. So if you don't mind, share with us a time when you were playing small and you may not have been aware of it. It may have only been in retrospect that when you woke up and realized, oh my goodness, what is going on? Share with us the story and the lessons you've learned. I I think playing small, it was interestingly, it was in Los Angeles when I lived, when I worked and lived in LA. I, like I said, I didn't know a soul. I, um, I met someone, a friend through a friend and all that kind of stuff and hung out with this Pasadena rugby team, through whom I eventually met my um, husband. That's a longer story. But I was working um, in a place that was really demeaning, that I was I was achieving. I was doing, I mean, I, I won a lot of awards at this place, but it was a place where um, all of my work, which was a lot of throughput, was, um, I don't know what the word is, but it was diminished by the people around me, uh, in particular, you know, I, I won't say their name, but in particular the people who I was working for, who, you know, second-guessed every little thing. And sort of about two years into that, as everything, I could, I just was, I didn't make a move without thinking about, oh, my God, am I going to get my head snapped off? Or, you know, is this going to be bad or is that going to be bad? And really was not branching out. I had a lot of opportunities in front of me, but I just felt like I couldn't take them because everything was being second guessed. At the same time, I was winning all these awards for my work. So it really, you know, it's so interesting how much other people can have an impact on how you think about yourself, even when you feel confident. I hear I had moved across the country, didn't know a soul. I was winning awards, but it felt small. Um, the interesting thing, I, I, was, I turned 30 and my parents um, gave me a trip to a spa. So I went to the spa in Palm Springs, which I'd never done. I'd never gone on vacation by myself ever. And I, so I went 10 days and um, the first four days I slept. I don't really remember much of it. I just slept, 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 slept. And I sort of, over the next few days, sort of came out of my fog and I met these cool women. I was hanging out with the women, working out, you know, eating, you know, bare chicken breasts or, you know, what, actually there was this woman who stole other people's food. She was so hungry. And, um, and it was like, you know what? Screw it. <laughs> Screw it. I'm really good at what I do. I don't need to have these kind of people in my life. And I left that uh, those 10 days saying, 
I'm just going to focus on having great people around me. And um, I did. I I got rid of some people I was dating. They were bad. You know, they just weren't, they weren't positive. They weren't adding to my life. They were sort of sucking the soul out of me. Got rid of those guys. I quit my job and went to a, a bigger job where I was really valued. Didn't stay there very long because I was recruited, like um, like you said earlier, at Sega. But the smallness was about not believing I could and actually believing what people told me my worth was. And when I once I broke myself out of that, I was really able to um, see myself in much bigger spaces. Mm, that is hugely, you know, confidence. Yes, it is something that comes from the inside, and we have to believe in ourselves in order to have it. But our environments have a big impact on how Huge. we see ourselves. We see ourselves through other people's eyes, like what's reflected back at us and the people and the environment mm -hmm. say a lot about who mm -hmm. we are. So if it feels like a disconnect, then we have to change it. Have to. And that's my company today. We're all, um, when I created this company today to do the same thing I've always done in my career, but in a way that I feel good about it in the way that people around me can feel really good about their con contributions. And it's all about, you know, who's on that bus with me. You know, we'll, we don't recruit, we recruit for the person and it might be the wrong title. It might be the wrong level, but if we can find that right person, we will bring them on our bus and move the people around on the bus until they're in the right position. Because finding great people you want to actually show up with, that is so liberating. It is mm. so powerful that, you know, I know that these people are not going to be with me forever. They have their own careers. They have their own aspirations. But what I find so powerful about and what, what is really such an honor for me to be able to say about my company is that so many people, you know, they hear longer than they think they're going to be. You know, they, they come, might show up thinking they're going to be here for a couple of years and they end up staying four or five. And then I help them get that next job because they say, Lee, I want to do this in my career. I'm like, all right, let's figure out how to get you there. And then they come back. Either they come to work for me again, or they recommend us, or they become a client, or I become a mentor, or they become my mentor. And that people piece, you know, is so, so important to fulfilling business life. Oh my God, that's hugely. And thank you for sharing that because I love hearing stories of companies that don't just get rid of people because they're not working out, like finding other opportunities because you hired them for a reason. Exactly. There was, there was something, some potential and talent you saw within them that they could contribute to your company so that like there really is a commitment to the person mm -hmm. that you're taking on. And on the flip side too, you know, as much as I say, if like, if you're and people around you in your environment are not reflecting back to you how you see yourself, you have to change it. Well, it doesn't always mean leaving. It can no. mean changing things from the inside because I've been in different jobs where I was like, oh, I don't like this or I don't like the way things are going. But I, that doesn't right. mean I jump ship. It means I make a difference from the inside, too. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the key. The key is that you tried. The key is, that, you know, the more of us who can take the high road. And not rub it in people's faces, right? <laughs> but take the high road and try something new and not say, I told you so, I told you so. That's not good. I mean, that's just negative energy. But the more people it's all say, judgy. it's all judgy. There is not a job that people show up for and that it fully meets their expectation. It does not exist, right? Mm -hmm. So you're going to show up to a job and it's going to be different than you thought. Um, and the key is what, you, what are you going to take out of it? Like, what, what are you going to What are you going to learn there? What, what are you going to take from this experience? And the truth is, the more you give, the more you take. Um, the more you get out of it. Period. So um, you know that 
frame of reference, um, I think, is one that keeps you in places longer so you can, so you can wring everything you can out of it. Um, and sometimes, um, and what the, the enduring thing, right, is your attachment to the entity that allowed you to do that. It used to be that, you know, my mom, our parents, um, boomers, silence, greatest generations, you know, they expected to be in one place for a very, very long time. Um, they expected to go into a company and stay there forever in a day. And if they showed up every day, the company would then um, honor that honor that um, sustainability with a nice gold watch or a pension or whatever, right? That is not today's reality. Today's reality is that we're telling our young people, 20 to 35-year-olds, you know, 10-year-olds to 35-year-olds, don't count on a company to make your career. You have to craft your own career. And um, and we're telling them that because so many boomers and Xers and silence have lost their lost you know are working much longer than they thought they were going to work. They've lost their pensions. They've lost their four hundred one k. The economy, you know, as soon as the economy tanked, these companies tanked, and they let go of people. So we're telling our young people craft your own career, but we haven't necessarily adjusted our companies to that reality, right? So the reality is they're not going to, we're telling all these people craft your own career. So they're, they're coming into companies expecting to leave. And we need to shift our minds to that. So we know they're going to leave. How do they become valuable? Not only when they're in our company, but when they've left our company. And how do you create a, a, an entity, a company, a, an organization that engenders that kind of loyalty that goes beyond when they're employed by you? Mm-hmm. And, oh, you know, that is the flip. That's the flip of the brain that you really have to do in today's business to have sustainability um, in the long term. And, you know, the you know, we I think people think about it as big companies, but more people are employed by small companies than are employed by big companies in this country. The small company, small to medium sized country is the engine of this of the country. And we all as you know, if you have a small business, you could have two people, you could have 100 people. That's still a small business. Um you know, you'd be thinking about the long-term longevity of your company is really about not who stays with you forever, but who is loyal to you forever, wherever they are. Mm, that is so huge, Lee. And I love how you said that because, you know, this, um, the whole uh, Gen Y and how to get along mm-hmm. with them in the workplace is such a big, yeah. <laughs> it's such a big thing, right? Like people wanted to hire me to, to do a training on it. I'm like, that's not my thing. Well, Sorry, I wrote just... a book on the topic, Jody. I mean, I, it was such a big deal that I wrote a book on the topic. And I do now, even though my business is, um, you know, mostly public relations and social media about a quarter of my time. In fact, tomorrow I go down to Santa Barbara to spend the day with the city of Santa Barbara specifically on this topic because it, it's so negative. Mm-hmm. Um, people think so negatively about it as opposed to taking the opportunity to say, you know what, things are different. Let's find out the positive. It's yeah. kind of tiring though. If it's not your thing, it's not your thing for sure. Right. I'll, I'll refer to you. <laughs> I'll be like, you need to talk to my girl Lee. So no, but I loved how you said that. Like, okay, they're, they're coming on and they're not ex- expecting to stay. Right. And we can relate to that. Like it's a bad thing, or we can relate to it. Like it's a good thing. Like what can we give them that they will take with that? Like, I love that. Then they're loyal forever. Like they will always refer back to your company. They'll probably help you find your next employee. Oh, well, that's the gift back, right? The gift back is I found, I was talking to Jody and oh my gosh, you should hire her. Uh, yeah. You should hire. I don't know which. I don't know how you're going to get her, but you need to hire her. And me, so I come and talk to you, Jody, and I want to hire you. And you're like, Lee, I'm not moving to San Francisco. I'm not moving to Boston. We have an office in Boston. 
I'm going to stay in Maine and I don't want to do what you do, but you know, I love what you're doing. So let's figure out how we can work together. And then, you know, five months later, you're out in the world doing something and an opportunity shows up and you're like, ding, 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 ding. Let me call Lee. And that's sort mm-hmm. of thinking about, you know, but the only way I was introduced to you is because this person who used to work for me said, you need to go hire Jody. You know, mm-hmm. thinking those are all, you know, we need to be shifting our brains around the alumni group of our entities, right? It's really important. Right. Leadership is all about, you know, how you have people in the company, how you get them moving in the same direction, how you inspire them to um, reach their potential. But it's also, in today's economy, it's also about leading once they're gone. Mm-hmm. And that generation is better at having weak links. So right, yes. instead of like, Absolutely. you know, close acquaintances, they've got weak links. So they actually have a broader network tremendously, um, and more information than we have. Totally true. Yeah. Totally true. Okay. Well, we, we could, we could talk about this for a while. So I'm going to move, I'm going to move on <laughs> okay. for the sake of like getting the interview, but thank you, Lee. That, no, no, I totally, I totally go to you into all of that. Cause I, I do, I did want to hear your mindset on that because I don't think we hear that enough that like, this is actually like changes and different ways of doing things. Like this is actually can be a good thing. Like looking at it from a positive as an opportunity rather than being like, why won't they change and just do things the way we do? Well, there you'll lose opportunities if you look at it that way. Peter has against the wall or we can try to figure out how to move it you know i'm done Mm -hmm. i'm done with the headache (laughs) yes i don't want a headache (laughs) so now lee share with us a time in your journey when you had a wake-up call take us back to that moment and share with us the steps you took that led to your success the most recent wake-up call was a few years ago i had been sick and um i didn't really and none of my doctors really you know i was quite quite anemic and, um, you know, like other women and, you know, who have companies, we just keep working through it, just keep working through it. And finally, my doctors and I decided that, yes, I should have uh, a hysterectomy. And um, they told me it was going to take, you know, you'll probably be up for at least three weeks, maybe six. And um, so I set up the company, you know, so I'm number one here. And, um, and everyone sort of re- really relies on relied on me to do everything so I took about um I decided to do the surgery and then I took six weeks to organize everything you know, so everyone knew where everything was and who had authority and what they should do and that they, they didn't need me um and I said I'm not gonna look at email you're just not gonna hear from me so you guys have to make it happen you know and I had a great team I have such a great team it's just awesome so I had the surgery and I was waking up from the surgery and the doctor said we didn't know how sick you were Lee you are really sick and uh, it's going to be at least six weeks. You can't even think about moving for, you know, kind of stuff. It's like, all right, sort of, you know, groggy from the, from the drugs and everything. I'm like, all right, sort of processing that. And I got home and um, really slept for three weeks. Again, the sleeping, sleeping's a theme. <laughs> I watched, like I told you earlier, I watched Big Bang Theory because I couldn't leave, I couldn't lift my head. So I was just like listening to Big Bang Theory over and over and over again. It was awesome. Wow. And at three weeks, I felt so much better. I, oh my gosh, I so much better. I said, you know what? I can go in the office, just say hi to people. I'm going to do that. And I walked into the, the bathroom to take a shower and I looked in the mirror and I thought I, I felt so awesome. And I looked in the mirror. First of all, my t-shirt's on inside out and backwards. 
my hair, which I thought was like in this very cute bun thing, was basically bam bam after, you know, a meth raid. And my pants, I'd been pulling my pants up all morning and they were, I, and I was tying them. I was tying my pants. And I'm like, why do my pants keep falling down? And yes, I'd lost some weight, but I was like, Ugh. And I looked down and my pants are on inside out and I'm, I'm actually tying threads, right? I'm tying threads. I'm not tying the actual tie. I'm tying threads in the pants. And I realized, holy cannoli, there, I'm a, I am, I'm a mess, right? And I felt, I thought, oh my gosh, I feel so good and I'm such a mess. So um, I emailed my number two and I said, um, I emailed her once and I said, I'm alive. And now I emailed her again and said, you know what? I'm not coming in. And I, you won't see me for at least three weeks. And um, so the next, and I went back to bed. I was like, I'm going to sleep. I'm going to sit in the sun. I'm going to take lo- short, then longer and longer walks as I could handle it. Um, and I was just like, I, I didn't know how, how sick I was. I obviously worked myself into being this sick, that surgery was required, um, and more serious surgery than they had planned. And I felt so good, but was really such a mess that it really hit me in the face. I'm like, you have got to rearrange your life. So I spent um, really the next three weeks sort of getting better. And um, and then I came back to work half time. I worked half time. So I was out for six weeks and then I worked half time for six weeks. And I came back to work and I said, "Um, I need to know, I just, I want two lists from you all, my people who report to me. I want a list of the things that have been awesome that I have not been here. Like, what's been great about not having me in the room? And then I just need one thing on the other side. I need one thing you've missed. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a very long list, but to one thing. Just give me one thing that you've missed about me being around, not being around. And I took that list of stuff, and while I was gone, they, they got new clients. They hired people. They fired somebody. You know, all the business had moved forward. The business was healthier without me in the room. So I took both of those pieces and I said, okay, how am I going to make sure that we actually, we don't regress into where I was, but we actually move forward in a way and I'm playing different. And so everyone else can play different too. And that was really the big wake up call that um, uh, to shift the business, to um, shift responsibility and not to, you know, I'm, I was all, I'm always been out of people's underwear. People things don't have to always go through me but to really move things so that, you know, understanding that the, my first responsibility is to be well, is to take care of myself. Cause I can't take care of myself. The business cannot take care of, you know, I can't take care of the business. Um, and sort of just re- rearranging my priorities based on that experience is really, that was the big wake up call. Wow. A couple things from what you were saying, Lee, cause I, I, I don't think you're alone. And, no, oh, I'm not. Um, I'm definitely not alone. <laughs> No, no. I think you're in very good company with um, millions of people around the world who are disconnected from what's going on in their bodies, Mm -hmm. right? Because we're so driven. We're so ambitious. There's what we think we should do and have to do that we, we don't pay attention to the signs, you know, and that for you in that moment, wow, what a poignant moment to realize, like, I feel good on the inside, but that was, that must've been like a relative Feel good. Oh, feel good yeah. as compared to what? <laughs> right. Well, exactly. And how I feel today is so much different than how I, I felt know. then. But I felt awesome. I was like, I am ready to take on the world. And I walked in and, and I have this, my bathroom has all these different mirrors on it, which clearly is a mistake. But um, it's like, holy crap, I'm a mess. 
you know, and I can't let people see me this way. I can't let people see. And clearly I'd been a mess before, but I just powered through it. And people didn't know. I mean, I really people did not know how sick I was because I would just power through the day. I would get home and I would fall, you know, I would just my husband, you know, my family, they bore the brunt of me being so sick. My company didn't. My family did. And that I was, you know, I started my company so I could be with my family. And what the heck was I doing, you know? Yes. And in a counterintuitive way, like what a gift the illness was because it took you out of your business so that Mm -hmm. you could see that you didn't have to be there as often as you were or doing the tasks that you had been doing before the people you had hired, you had done the amazing job of hiring the right people. Yes. Which I pride myself on. Um, And I came out of that and I hired a coach, a woman who had worked in my company in groups. And I hired her, Lori Ogden Moore. She's awesome. Um, And I hired her just to work with me on what my plan was. You know, things became very clear when I was out. Like, I want, this is the way I want to be. This is the way, you know, this is 10 years from now. This is what I want to have achieved. And she, um, and I probably could have done it without her, but I would not have done it so quickly without her. Um, she really helped four months, four months of coaching. And, you know, I exited that coaching in- environment with a plan. And since it's been about two years, actually, it's been two years almost to the month um, where I created that plan. And I just reviewed it with her the other day. She's a good friend of mine. And I just took it to her. I said, look, all these things click. You know, I ticked off all the things that I've, I mean, one of the things in my plan was write a book in five years. Well, I wrote a book in the next year. The next thing in my plan was to hire somebody who was, uh, more operational than the person I had before. You know, she's still here. She's fantastic. But someone who had a lot of operations experience, I hired him earlier this year. That was a plan for 2019. So once I had the plan down, I just sort of, these opportunities have dropped into my lap. I mean, the book dropped into my lap. This guy dropped into my lap. Um, but without the plan, I don't think they would have. Mm, I love that. And I think that I, I want to underscore that as well. That um, And for everybody listening, write down the things you want to accomplish and set deadlines to it. You'll be amazed at how quickly they come about mm-hmm. because you've set the intention to do them. It's amazing. Purpose. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a wish list. No. It's it's a it's a goal it's with a deadline. But I think the thing about goals, like goals should be in concrete. Plans may have to be in sand, right? <laughs> I mean, you may get sick and you can't actually write the book on time or your father may get married and all of a sudden you're spending much more time in Maine or whatever it is, right? <laughs> but the goal, you know, if you have a goal, you can describe the goal. I want to live like this. I want to have this kind of company. I want to spend my time this way. Um, the plan, you know, you have to adjust the plan often. I've never, you know, I in my business, we create plans every single day and no plan is ever executed the way it was written down. But the benefit of a plan is to know where you're supposed to be against your goal so that you can keep triangulating, you know. Mm-hmm. Keep pivoting. So goals, yeah. goals and concrete, plans and sand. Got it. And Lee, I'm imagining in the past couple of years, your leadership style has changed pretty dramatically. So how would you describe the leadership style that you utilize today? I think my leadership style is very um, enthusiastically encouraging. (laughs) How about that? I love it. Um, You know, I've never been a leader that, you know, had to look at everybody's work. I've never been a leader that looked over everyone's shoulder. I've never been a leader that didn't trust the people I hired. Um, That has always been the case. But um, I really feel like my 
I've gotten pretty crystal clear on my purpose in this world is to help good people do great things. And um, the people around me is, you know, how can I be enthusiastically encouraging about each person in this entity, in my company, and so that they can achieve what they need to within the context of my company and with the context of their own life. Wow. Oh, I can only imagine that must feel so good for them to be, to be oh, in well, that energy. I them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm just awesome. imagining myself like, wow, you know, even if it, you know, I don't obviously own my own company, but to have somebody who was just of that energy level, like just enthusiastically encouraging me, like I would want, like, I know how I operate. I would be like, Oh, I can't wait to show them how much I've accomplished. Mm-hmm. Right. I would be eager to accomplish things so I could come back and be like, see, you were right. I could do this. Right. <laughs> well, it happens awesome. often. It does happen often. It's, it's my proudest moment. My proudest moment is when someone sends me an email about somebody else. You won't believe what Joe did. Oh my gosh. He kicked it out of the park. It was a walk off home run, whatever. You know, they, I don't need to know, but they tell me how great someone else was. It's my proudest moment because it's not about them. It's about the people they work with. Um, and it's all in context of what their, what their goals are for their own lives. Mm, and that's a sign of a good culture mm-hmm. too, when they're spreading good gossip. I, <laughs> I love that. I'm writing <laughs> that down. Write that one down. Write good gossip. <laughs> goals in concrete, plans in sand. I've got that one. <laughs> all right, Lee, what is one thing you're working on right now that you're really excited about? I'm really excited about, um, the book that I, mentioned before millennials and management it's doing really well it's being really helpful um and so i'm doing a lot of work around that but i uh coming out of that is i'm working on my next book so i'm super excited about that which won't come out till 2017 Ooh, what's the topic of your next book can't tell you yet but i will come Definitely. back <laughs> all right we have talked all right about it we have talked about it in the constructs of this interview Oh, okay. Well, I'll look forward to that. We'll get, we'll get, we'll get you booked up for when that's ready to come out. <laughs> All right, Lee, now I'm going to do a quick leadership roundup. So tell us, what is one practice that helps to make you a better leader? Taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. Amen. And how do you do that? Um, I move every day. I drink lots of water and I try to get a lot of sleep. Mm, perfect. And what is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? So can I have three? <laughs> Sorry. All right. All right. So yes. there's three yes. books yes. that are my core. <laughs> one is Leadership and the Art of Conversation by Kim Crisco. That's amazing. Seminal book. The second is Primal Leadership, which is by Daniel Goleman. And the third is The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni. And these three books together are just so inspirational to me. It's what has, gives me the tenets for what I do every day. Mm. And who would you say is the type of woman that those three books together would be perfect for? You know, the type of woman who should read these books, which, well, I guess Primal Leadership is also written by a woman, um, are women who know they don't want to, you know, know they need help, know they want to have the knowledge, who are curious about best practices and curious about learning from everybody else and who aren't control freaks, you know, (laughs) but know that, you know, what, what they're, what they're seeking is like, what is their, what is their best space? Where are they best? Um, Because when you can focus on what is, when you understand what your best is, then you can um, put in place the other pieces that you're, you know, that will augment your best piece. So I'll give you an example. 
I'm best when it's the, you know, in football terms, it's the pregame, the kickoff, and the, for, and the fourth and one. Like before the game starts, what should we do? At the kickoff, send me in, you know, because I want to be there when we, you know, kick the ball. And then at the fourth and one, when it all the shit is hitting, excuse me, hitting the fan, send me in, coach, because that's where I'm really good. I'm not good in the middle, right? Um, and these books have really helped me understand that and be able to put the pieces around me. Mm. It sounds like it's also a good book for a woman who wants to give up being in control Absolutely. all the time, <laughs> recognizing well, that's not serving frankly, her. You know, if you're going to play small, you're going to be in control. I mean, there's no right. way you can get smaller than having to control everything. Right. Being a one woman show. Exactly. I mean, oh, how lonely. Yes. And how draining. Oh, exhausting. It makes me <laughs> exhausted to think about it. So let's, let's, let's move on. All right, Lee, what advice would you give your younger self? Uh, don't pay attention to what people say about you. Ooh, I like that. All right. Now that'll segue into share with us a success quote and a mantra and why it has meaning for you. So my success quote is from Dr. Seuss, the, you know, origin of all great things, which is, and will you succeed? Yes, you will indeed. Mm, I love Dr. Seuss and Dr. Seuss quotes. All right. Lastly, Lee, what is the best way for this community to connect with you? The best way to find me is on my personal website, which is um, com, or on Twitter at, at Lee Carraher. And for those listening, you can find all the links and resources shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com, or you can use the short link, which is womentl.com. And Lee, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us and make us laugh. We are all better for having met you. Oh my gosh, Jody! thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Were you inspired to take some action today, but maybe don't know where to start? Or maybe you have so many great ideas, you can't decide where to focus your attention. Don't let stress or overwhelm stop you from having the career, the business, or the life you want to live. Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash coaching or use the short link womentl.com forward slash coaching to sign up for a consultation with me. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson. So here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.